Welcome to Unscripted, your weekly podcast featuring Kirby Hossman and Bill Petrie, where they talk about all things promotional, marketing, and branding. As always, it's brought to you by Promo Corners Identity Marketing, the interactive tool for promotional products professionals. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. Welcome to episode number 39 of Unscripted. Yeah. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, is the king of Coshocton, Ohio, Dr. Kirby Hossman. Kirby, how the hell are you? I am doing fantastic, my friend. I'm now a king. I mean, I've, I've never been even referred to as a prince, so a king is, that's a big promotion. So thanks, man. Well, I've never seen you play guitar, so I'm not going to call you Prince, um, nor have I ever seen, heard you sing Purple Rain. So again, not calling you Prince, but you are the king of Coshocton, Ohio. But well, things are well with you? Things are great, buddy. Things are great. How about yourself? Things are awesome. This weekend, I had a great weekend, had an opportunity to do a little cooking. And you know what I used this weekend? I used the Accent Bamboo Cutting Board from Bay State. And i got to tell you... It might quite possibly be the best cutting board I've ever used because I got to tell you, it's it's bamboo, but it's accented on the sides with silicone edges, mm. and it makes for a very easy base to, to cut some onions. I, I chopped some jalapenos on there; it was wow. fantastic. Got a beautiful uh, silk screen imprint area on the white, uh, the the plastic silicone. I mean, the silicone edges of that cutting board. I got to tell you, it's easily the best cutting board I've ever used. It's a, it's a product number K350 nice. on the Bay State catalog. So if you're looking for someone who likes to cook, if you have a client that has any sort of, of cooking uh, thing or they like the products in the kitchen, there is absolutely no better cutting board than the Accent Bamboo Cutting Board from the good people at basic. I absolutely love it. Sounds like that was a pretty spicy dish, man. Onions, jalapenos, all that stuff. I, I made some homemade pico de gallo. <laughs> nice, nice. My wife would have loved that. It was it was quite quite spicy. So, uh, Kirby, what do you say we light this candle? I, I dig it. You got a topic for us today, man? You know what? Actually, I do, and it comes courtesy of good time player man, Mr. Russ Mogul from oh, okay. Seven Sourcing. He emailed us um, about 20 minutes before we recorded this podcast, and I think it's a great topic. We haven't had a chance to discuss it, so let's discuss it. So I'm just going to read um, exactly what Russ sent us, awesome. and let's let's take a uh, take a take on it. Okay. So his topic is business owner versus a nine to fiver employee. Mm -hmm. Russ states, "I see the pluses and minuses of both. As I owned a business, sold it, worked for the new owners, quit." And started a new business. Obviously, the business owner makes more money, has much more flexible schedule than the guy who punches a clock, but owning a business is a 24-7 deal. No rest for the wicked. The 9-to-5-er can shut it down both physically and mentally at 5 o'clock and on weekends. No sleepless nights worrying about orders or cash flow. Can you put a price – can't put a price on that peace of mind or can you? So, Kirby – um, you've certainly owned your own business. You, yeah. you currently own your own business. You've worked for the man. Yep. Uh, I've, I've run my own business and now I'm also uh, working for someone. So I think we both have had the experience on both sides of it. What do you, what is your thought? Yeah, I, it's, it, it's a great topic and I really appreciate Russ jumping in on this. I, 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 the idea that the business owner obviously makes more money, 
I guess I take some umbrage with that, especially at the beginning stages of a project. Uh, but I, I understand what he's trying to say. Um, you know, I heard one time that um, I was on a panel of entrepreneurs and they, you know, they're asking questions about it. And the opening question was, you know, what do you think about starting your own business? And a guy sitting next to me said, yeah, it, owning your own business is the best. You get to choose which 80 hours a week you work, um, whichever ones you want. And uh, that one that, that made me chuckle. And there are definitely downsides to being the business owner when, when there are cash flow crunches, when there are employee issues. It's a it can be a lonely gig, right? Because you're the one making the decisions, good, bad, or indifferent. But for me, I, and I think it's it has to do with the way you're wired. Um, I, I have worked for other people, and I struggled with it. I don't know that I could go back personally to working for someone else, um, just because I think I'm wired in such a way that I I am I like to be calling the shots. I like to be the one who makes that final decision. And I think it just depends on how you're wired. What say you, my friend? Yeah, I, I think you're right, but I think there's, I think it's not so black and white. Um, so, yeah, obviously, when I was running Brandivate, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I worried about everything because every, I was Brandivate. I didn't have employees to worry about so much, but I certainly, you know, had to deal with collections and I had to deal with uh, clients who were maybe not be satisfied in the first round of a deliverable. And, and certainly had to worry about making ends meet for, for my family when um, in the past when I've worked for people, hey, you get that regular paycheck. You don't have to worry about that. But also working at a high level for someone, um, you know, I'm president of Promo Corner now. Yeah. So there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. And, and we're looking at really um, uh, making some nice additions to what Promo Corner offers to make it maybe a little more dynamic. And, and so there's a lot of pressure that goes along with that. So I may be a technical nine to five employee, but, you know, me pretty well. I, I, I was working all weekend on stuff. Sure. Um, I've got all sorts of, of ideas and things I'd like to try and do. So I think it really is what I always think of is, do you have the stomach to be an entrepreneur? Right. That's what I always look at. And I think, I guess, it's, so I guess it's really kind of almost a different way of saying what you had said. Um, I always describe myself as an accidental entrepreneur, but the older I get and even doing the things I'm doing with Promo Corner now, I, I can tell you that I absolutely have the entrepreneurial spirit. Right. I just don't know if I have the stomach to actually be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, I, the only thing I'd say is if you are president of an organization, whether you own it or you're run, it, president, you're running the organization. Whether it's right. you and Promo Corner or it's, uh, you know, fill in name here. And when you're at that, per, uh, that position, your entrepreneurial nature, you have to be. There's no way you made it to, to that point without being able to uh, have certain uh, entrepreneurial tendencies. Um, right. And so, no, I, I, for me, um, and, and I, I say that I couldn't do that, but maybe I could in the right situation. But I think that I, I struggle with looking back and, you know, working in a larger organization where I was answering and there were multiple managers and stuff. I struggled with that. Um, right. Because I just like, I everybody, I wanted everybody to get the hell out of my way so I could just do. Um, right. And I think that when you're like that, you know, sometimes entrepreneur being entrepreneur an entrepreneur makes more sense, but again, I think it has to do with your mindset. And so Well, 
Well, Russ's question is, can you put a price on the peace of mind, right? The peace of mind of being an employee or a business owner. And I, you know, I, I, I think we all want employees that act like owners, right? That's yeah. uh, I don't know if that's a buzz phrase, but I seem to have heard it enough times where I feel like a lot of people, business owners think that way. The problem is if you don't own the business, you're not going to be as invested. I don't care who you are. You know, I will, I will bleed for my organization, but at the end of the day, I don't, if I don't own it, I'm an employee. And so there's a little bit of a difference there. So I think if you can find those people and, and, and it's people, it's not the rare people aren't rare. It's the combination of the right person in the right situation, working for the right people. Cause then I think you do get, um, an employee that doesn't think like a nine to fiver right. that is truly invested in the success of the organization beyond a simple paycheck. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause so that's what I think, you know, if you can, it, it's, it's, I guess the only analogy I can draw is, you know, a football. I always like going back to a football analogy. Sure. Tro- Troy Aikman, one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. Right. Sure. And, but, if he doesn't play in the system that Jimmy Johnson set up, is he Troy Aikman? If he gets drafted by the Cleveland Browns, is he Troy Aikman? I will tell you he's not. <laughs> right? But that's what I'm saying. And, and that's not to say that Troy Aikman was a system quarterback or that I'm a system employee. It's that you just have to have that right combination of a business owner, employee, and the, a shared vision right. where people can feel like they're rowing the boat in the same direction. And then, and then I think the business owner rests a little better because he or she has employees that are all singing out of the same hymnal. Sure. And I think the the employee maybe takes on some of the burden of that stress, For worrying sure. about, hey, are we going to get those orders? Are we going to make our numbers this month? Um, so I, I, I think you can kind of almost make it, a, a, instead of black and white, a gray ball. So uh, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Well, yeah, I, I actually, and I think anybody in my organization will tell you, I actually encourage um, my employees to have some level of side hustle um, because I think it, the employees who have at least some, at some point in their life started a business, even if it was a lemonade stand, even if it, like uh, Dustin in my office who helps us put this together and does an awesome job in all our video stuff, at one point had like a side wedding business where he did wedding videos. He, we shared equipment. He used stuff that we had, and I encourage that because I think that when employees start to think like entrepreneurs and think more like that, they tend to come up with better ideas for you. So I think you're right. I think it's a mix. It's 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 finding those employees that not only crave empowerment, but they actually know what to do with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Russ Mogul, thank you so much. Great topic. And again, we didn't we don't rehearse this, people. This yeah. is actually unscripted. That yeah. was that was really good. So thank you, Russ. And anybody else who has uh, topics they want to, to share with us, you can email me directly at bill at promocorner.com and uh, I'll share with Kirby, but we won't share our individual thoughts with each other. We'll just hash it out on the podcast. So Kirby, we went ahead and tackled that one, which was a lot of fun. Actually, yeah. I really like that. So uh, do you have a topic for us? Yeah, so 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 often, and I know. So for those who don't know about this, Bill is much more prepared about this uh, and much more organized. Um, we've kind of joked about that in the past. I tend to pull things from what's going on in my everyday life. I, I thought you were going to say you pull things from somewhere else. So I'm very glad <laughs> yeah, you yeah. chose to keep this PG, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the things I was, I just wanted to 
see if you had thoughts on this topic. So um, I have a new uh, sales rep uh, who started yesterday uh, with our organization, and she went with me on a call. And it's, it was a call with a current client. We were talking to them about a health and wellness program, and it's they, they invited me into the committee meeting. So I had a group of people, a few of them I knew, a few of them I didn't. And so I sort of made the pitch, um, and I enjoy doing that. You know that about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had said, hey, 10 to 15 minutes, try and keep it quick. So I'm looking at my watch. I'm 14 minutes in, and I wrap up, and I'm like, okay, any questions? No questions. A lot of deadpan faces. And we left there. It was one of those funny things, and she, I was asking her, how do you think it went? And she, you know, we were kind of debating. And the topic's really about reading uh, prospects or reading clients. I mean, we both felt like, gosh – feel like I said what I wanted to say. The tone was what we wanted. But the one decision maker in the room was just stone-faced. And I pride myself on reading clients and reading prospects. And I, we were like, gosh, I, I just don't know, right? And we get back to the office. And by the time I got back from lunch, we have an email asking or a phone call came in asking for numbers on it, presentations, like total buying signals, right? right. And you're just like, oh. Well, I guess we know how that went. And so I guess my question is for you, for the audience, are there like, like – I tend to just on the fly gauge people's interests by their facial expressions, whatever. Curious to know if you have like kind of go-to moves when you're trying to read people. Are there questions? Are there things you look for? Um, or is it just, hey, I'm just getting a vibe? Um, generally, some getting the vibe. I feel like you know we all have our gifts, and I feel like one of mine is I'm a very quick read of people and an audience. So I can generally tell if I'm boring them to death, which which does happen occasionally, or if they're engaged. So I try to in any presentation I give, whether it's actually speaking at like a an industry event or a sales presentation, right. I only have generally about sixty to eighty percent of it scripted in my head, what I want to say. And so I can change on the fly according to the audience, right? Mm -hmm. So I I generally, you know, in your situation that you talked about where you've given a presentation, you only have 15 minutes, you use 14 of them, and you get a lot of blank stares at the end of it, I'd probably walk out of there going, well, that stunk. Um, (laughs) I mean, that would be my general reaction. Again, not knowing the the people very well, obviously, or, or actually seeing the expressions on their faces. So to, to get that kind of feedback from them afterward, you know, an hour or two afterwards where they definitely give you some buying signals, I think my my response would be I'd, I'd want to go after you close the deal. I'd love to pick their brain. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. So I gave a presentation and it was like talking to a brick wall. <laughs> but then two weeks later or two hours later, you, you obviously were interested what what changed there? What what did I misread? Because I love opportunities like that to learn. Mm. After every presentation, whether I feel it's gone good or bad, and I I love when people say, "Hey man, how do you think it went?" Yeah. And my response tough. is always, "How the hell do I know how it went?" <laughs> um, you'd have to ask people who are listening, but I always like to do a little bit of a post mortem. What because mm. in any presentation, there's three presentations: the one you wanted to give. The one you gave and the one you wish you gave. Yeah. Right? So I always want to strive for that one I wish I had 
given. Yeah. So I, I do like to do a post-mortem afterwards. But generally, Kirby, for me at least, it's a gut feeling. Yeah. And being, you know, that part of our job is show business. Yeah. You are giving a performance. And it's not a movie. It's Broadway. Yeah. And you have to be able to pivot and, and be nimble to make sure you're connecting those buyers with what they what they want to hear of, of your product or service. Yeah. No, it was interesting. Like I say, it, it's it's so fresh because I mean, literally, this uh, we're recording this at uh, three o'clock. It, this was ten o'clock this morning. So right. Um, and it, but it's like I felt like most of the people in the room were engaged, but one person wasn't. You know, it's just it was just a super interesting thing. And so that's one of those things that I think all of us in sales go through at some point. Um, and so it's interesting just here because I'm kind of like you. It's gut feeling. How would it go? Um, and then. You, if you're like me, you kind of go back over what you said, what you wish you'd have said. Kind of like I, I loved what you say about the presentation that you wanted to give, you gave, and you wished you would have given. Um, that's a great. That's when you said that the first time. I was like, oh yeah, that's exactly right. Um, because I do go back over those things in my mind. Um, but it's always interesting to hear what other people do post presentation. So that's cool. Cool. Awesome. So I think we got time for another one. Yes. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on what I'm going to term big industry educational events. Okay. What I'm thinking of are like ASI Power Summit. Okay. Uh, PPAI is NALC, which is the North American Leadership Conference. For the purposes of this conversation, I'm going to leave out Women's Leadership Conference just because that's such a focused audience. And I think it's a terrific focused audience that – you know, women have a specific event tailored just for them. So I'm going to leave in WLC out of it. So let's just take a look at ASI's Power Summit and PPAI's North American Leadership Conference. Yep. Both of them, and I think you've been to both of them, at least partially. Um, and they're, they're expensive. I mean, there are no question. I think I think Power Summit's right around fifteen hundred bucks, and that's just, that's just that's a ticket. That's a ticket walking in the door, and I think and I know NALC is right around twenty one hundred dollars. So both very pricey. And that again, those are just that's just the cost of walking in the door. That's not flying to a, a specific place. That's not staying in a five star resort hotel, which both both uh, educational events tend to be at. Right. I want to get your thoughts on I'll share mine after you share yours, but I, I want to get your thoughts on do you think there's value in them? Do you think they're too pricey? What, what is your thought on those big industry educational events? Yeah, so um, no, it's a great question. I'm glad you brought it up. So um, just to be clear, I've been to NALC. I haven't been to the Power Summit, so I don't want to misrepresent okay. um, like I have if I haven't. But um, I actually – you know this about me. I'm – um, ravenous about education. So I, I go to education whenever I can. Um, and then I read constantly and all that stuff. So I really value the concept. I really do think they've priced themselves out of the market. Um, I'm pretty, I feel strongly about that. Um, because I think it's one of those things where some of these have gotten so expensive that larger suppliers and larger distributors have the ability to go. The problem is we're bitching constantly about the rest of our industry and how we need to raise and elevate the rest of the industry. And then we create events where they could elevate themselves, but they can't afford to go in order right. to educate themselves. Um, and for those who are going to say right now, well, you know, it's a lot of quality education and it's a lot of this and it's a lot of that. It is. It's all of those things. And I go to other events outside of our industry and they don't cost one fifth of it. 
I, you right. know, I've seen Gary Vaynerchuk talk. I've seen, uh, you know, Seth Godin talk. I've seen them outside of the industry at other events. And the, the ticket price for that event might be 600 bucks. Well, there's a difference. You know, one right. is almost three to four times the cost of that. And I, those are, are name brand speakers. And I actually think, by the way, that more of that would be good for our industry. Outside voices in our industry would be good. And I know some of them are doing some of that, but I really do. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not signed up for either event right now because I'm like, no, cash flows. No, so can't do it. Okay, makes make sense. So full disclosure on my end. So I have been on the uh, PPAI NL, NALC work group for the last three events, mm-hmm. uh, including the one coming up in Austin in Aust- uh, Austin in August. Say that three times fast and also think <laughs> about how hot it's going to be. But that's okay. Um, so full disclosure there. And I have been to one power summit, so I can compare and contrast. I think um, and just to just to answer your question before I get into my own thoughts, so you know why is it why are the ticket prices so much higher at NALC in the Power Summit? You're only going to get about 130 people, right? So, uh, Gary, when you've been to those events with Gary Vaynerchuk speaking, you probably there's probably five six hundred people, I would guess. Yep. So it helps spread the cost of that speaker among more people. I think sure. that's I think that's something to factor in because I agree with you. I'd like to see more name brand, um, name brand speakers last year. I know at NALC, they had Arthur Laffer of the Laffer curve fame, uh, from an economist perspective. And I, I had to miss that because of, of the, you know, everything my wife was going through at the time, right. um, health wise, but I heard it was great. So I, I tend to agree with you. I've been worried for a while that again, since I've been on the work group for NALC, that it's been pricing, itself out of the market. I look at the the uh, the content and it's always spot on. And I think the content at Power Summit's always been very high too. So that, that is not a disparagement at ASI at all. Um, I do wonder if we're we as an industry we aim too high for some of these events and maybe we ought to, you know, do we need to stay at the highest hotel? Do right. people really do people really have that sort of an expectation or is, is a full service Hilton okay as opposed to, you know, the, 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 the higher, the four seasons or whatever. I think there's value to them. I guess I would love, I feel like we have your, your entry level events, educational events in our industry, meaning expo and the ASI, uh, the ASI shows and things like that. And those are great. Those don't cost a lot of money. You're already there at the show. A lot of it's free and it's fantastic. And then we have these events at the way under the other end of the spectrum that might be cost prohibitive. Now, granted, I know NASC, again, because I'm on the work group, it's really aimed at C-level executives, both for suppliers, distributors, and service providers. So there's a specific target there. Sure. But I'd love for a mid-range educational event mm-hmm. you know yeah. what i mean no i think sure. that's kind of i guess where i think about it. i mean i i think i think every level is important the entry level the senior level but also the rising middle class i feel like i feel like we're forgetting the middle class a little bit <laughs> i've always thought you were a politician bill i don't recognize that in <laughs> any way shape or form 
No, I, I, but I think it's a really good topic. I think that, I, I, I guess, really what you hear from me is a little bit of jealousy because I'd like to go to all those events, but I have to balance the budget. You know what I mean? And so right. that's where that's where I'm coming from on this. So yeah, good stuff, man. Right. Well, no, you have, you have look, you have to keep the budget in mind. I just think there's, like I said, I think both ASI and PPI do do an excellent, excellent job at their educational events. I mean, yeah. having been to, uh, I think this will be my fourth NALC. <clears throat> Always a top-notch event, and the ASI Power Summit I went to as well, a top-notch event. So this is not to disparage either one of them, and that's right. not me straddling the fence. If, if there was a nit to pick, I'd pick it. Yeah. Um, I just think there's room for a middle-class event no, somewhere in this industry. I like it. That's good, man. All right. Well, cool, man. I think we've uh, covered the time allocation Our- here today. Well, I'm glad because as soon as we're wrapping up this podcast, Kirby, I don't know if you know this, but I am going to make me some fresh guacamole. I love the guacamole. (laughs) And there's no better surface to make guacamole on than an accent bamboo cutting board from the good people at Bay State. Do you know that the setup charge is only $60 on that sucker? Really? Yeah. And then additional input colors? 20 cents per piece. It's amazing. It's really amazing. And the quality of this cutting board, I, I'm not kidding. It actually is really a good cutting board. I'm not just a shill for Bay State. This is a high quality <laughs> cutting board. So, if, again, if you've got clients who want their promotional products kept and used, not just kept in a drawer, but actually used. I mean, when was the last time you threw away a cutting board, Kirby? I, I never have. Exactly. There are two. There are two products in the promotional products industry that never get thrown away. Cutting boards and beach towels, people. So we're not talking about beach towels today. We're talking about cutting boards and specifically the Accent Bamboo Cutting Board, uh, item number K350. Well done, my friend. Well done. Excellent. Well, thanks again for your time today, Kirby. As always, I enjoy it. And again, loved having that topic coming from Russ right at the last minute, literally 15 minutes before we recorded. So that was a lot of fun. Keep those things coming, and uh, you know what, Kirby? I think we're going to have a new sponsor next week. Oh, yeah? I'm excited to hear about that. Well, you're just going to have – this is what's called a tease in the business, folks. (laughs) You're going to have to tune in and see exactly what that is. I love it. Well, thanks, man. I'll talk to you next time. All right. Peace out. Once again, thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Phil Petrie. As always, brought to you by the good people at Promo Corner's Identity Marketing, the interactive tool for promotional products professionals.